All right. I um, want to welcome everybody to uh, Rock Fellowship today, whether you are here in person or whether you are joining us uh, remotely online as Pastor Chris is today. Uh, I think he is uh, performing a service down, uh, down south in Southern California. So just definitely want to welcome everyone here today that is, uh, that is worshiping. Um, it's been uh, a long time since I've been able to kind of be up front and uh, share a sermon with, with all of you. I think uh, uh, I had to look back in my records and uh, looking through is July 9, I think, 2020. Um, we're kind of deep in the throes of the pandemic. It was online, remote, just kind of a video thing from my kitchen and uh, um, just kind of reflecting back on how much time has passed um, is just really, it's amazing and, and quite sobering. Um, but certainly great to be, uh, to be worshiping again uh, with all of you today. Um, my sermon today is going to take 24 minutes, all right? When the cat's away... We do whatever we want, right? All right, uh, 24 minutes. So four minutes of that is a video. So you guys are lucky, all right? So you just have to pay attention. Now that I've done that, I'm sure there's going to be someone who's going to pull out their, uh, their stopwatch and hold me to that. So I say 24 minutes plus or minus 10 minutes, all right? Let's just do that, all right? Uh, we'll play it safe. Um, but today we're, we're going to focus on two things only. One is stories and the second thing is choices, all right? Stories and choices, all right? It's going to be very basic, very simple to understand. Applies to everyone, no matter what age you are, okay? So before we begin, let's uh, bow our heads. Father in heaven, it's amazing to be here and to be sharing and worshiping and talking about you and how you work in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that you would uh, just do your thing, that that, uh, that I don't get in the way of, of you speaking today, Father, and I just pray that you would be just lifted up and glorified through this time that we share today. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Um, I'm sure all of you love stories. Like, hands down, there's nobody that can say, I don't like a story. And so everyone loves stories, our, our, especially our young, young people here and our children love stories. And as parents... Uh, I am sure you have spent countless hours telling stories to your kids, right? And what is the best time that you tell them a story? Bedtime, right? And if, you know, and when your, your child is getting ready to bed and you grab their best favorite book and you snuggle up to them, and if you're really a true parent, you get under the covers, right? All right? If you, get, if you stay on top of the covers, oh, no, yeah, no good, no bueno, um, so you get under the covers, you snuggle up to your, your kid, and you like pull out their book, and you read them a story. And it's, there's nothing more beautiful than that, right? And uh, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome, right? As a parent, as someone watching that, it's just so cool. Until, of course, the 7,000th time that you've read that same book to your child, right? Then, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe then it gets a little, and especially when they're like an hour past their bedtime, it's around 9.30, as opposed to they go to bed at 8.30, and they want to hear that story again, right? And like, again, right? And again, and you're telling them, and you're like, you should have been to sleep one hour ago, I should have been watching Netflix an hour ago, I mean, you're like, come on, let's go, and then pretty soon, what do you do? You start reading real fast, right? 
I know you've done this, right? Like these days you can watch YouTube or you can listen to your audio, you know, audio uh, books at 1.5 speed. I listen to everything at 1.5 speed now. I don't know about you guys, but that's just, that's just me. I cannot bear to listen to something at normal speed. And so you start reading these stories really fast to your kid, right? And then you discover the multi-page flip, right? It just happens by accident at first. And then like parents, raise, the, raise your hands if you have done a multi-page flip, right? Raise your hands, right? Look at all these people. Those that did not raise their hands, bold-faced lying in church, right? We all have done like that two, three-page flip while we're reading that book, right? And at first, your child does not get it, right? They don't catch on. When they get older, they're like, they've memorized that story. They know the word that's going to come next. And they're like, wait, wait, what happened to that one section that they're supposed to do this, this, this? And then you go, oh, you get caught. And you got to go back and you got to read that story, right? From beginning to end again. But we all, we all love stories. And today we are going to talk about stories. And in talking to you about stories, uh, every time I come up front, I always take an opportunity to highlight our youth group. I've had the immense pleasure of, you know, uh, helping Pastor Jonathan as he leads our youth here at this church. And so I want to present to you three stories of our youth today. And we originally had planned for them to do a live interview up front, but two of them couldn't be with us today. And so we pre-recorded these videos and so at this time, I just want you to uh, hear three stories from our youth. Hi, I'm Atticus. I'm 16 and I'm a junior at Portland Adventist Academy. Hi, I'm Annika. I'm 16 years old. I live in Happy Valley and I'm a sophomore at Adrian Nelson High School. Hi, I'm Ella. I live in Happy Valley. I'm currently a junior at Portland Adventist Academy. And um, did I already say I'm 16? I'm 16. <laughs> I started coming to Rock because my friend Josue invited me because he got invited first and he came to small groups. And I think I kept coming because uh, after I started coming here after a while, I started getting like better grades and I would try and like, I don't know, be a better example to other people that were around me and trying to become like a, a nicer person because of like the small group discussions and Pastor Jonathan. I think they were all really good influences on me. Um, so I was friends with Sarah in middle school and then so we got closer and then last summer she introduced me to Casey and we all became friends and like started talking and stuff and then they invited me to a small group and I like slowly kind of got to like know the other people in the youth and then in the fall kind of I started coming to like Saturday services and now I come here like every week. <laughs> Um, well, my family moved up here before I was born, and I think they started coming here before then, so I've been pretty much coming here since I can remember, and I was kind of like born into this church, I guess. I grew up going to church, but I would never really want to because I always thought it was really boring, but my parents, like, would make me go, and so I would always, like, just sit in the back and wait till I could go home. But after I started coming here, after I went to like small groups for a while, I really enjoyed the sermons because I think you could like relate to them more. And I actually like come here by myself 
and I like enjoy watching the sermons and I think like listening to P. John and Pastor Chris has like made me want to become a better Christian. Um, my family wasn't necessarily like that religious. We did go to church like a few times here and there. My brother and I went to like Chinese school at this church every Saturday. Um, but I would say like most of like my spiritual journey is like by myself kind of not necessarily with my family. Um, the, my friends were like Christians, so I would go to their churches sometimes in their youth groups. And then my family, or my parents sent me and my brother to Bible camp for a few years. And so there I, I got to grow my faith more. And then now I come to rock with everyone here. Um, and so that's kind of been my religious journey. Um, I don't think, like, there's not really a specific moment in my life that I could recall and say, like, oh, that is when I learned who God is or like what it means to be a Christian. I think my life has been pretty consistently like an uphill, like an uphill like path, I guess, where like I've kind of gradually learned like what it means to be a Christian, I guess, like throughout my life. Um, I mean, for a long time, I think the most that I did was just like go to church and go to Sabbath school and occasionally listen to praise songs. I think like most recently, more recently, I've kind of learned um, to kind of make faith my own faith, I guess, and not just like my parents or just like my family. And I've kind of been more um, curious, I guess, about like what being a Christian is and what that means to be a Christian. I never, uh, never tire of just uh, hearing the youth tell their stories and just tell what's going on inside their lives. And uh, we have an amazing, uh, amazing group of youth, junior high and high school um, here. And if you ever want to become involved in uh, speaking into their lives, whether it's through Sabbath school or whether it's through small groups, uh, contact myself or Pastor uh, Jonathan, and we'd love to get you plugged in. Um, we are actually looking for um, uh, a female mentor, kind of a small group leader. We have Olivia uh, that's been uh, faithfully helping with the uh, with the girls, and with Elena leaving um, or she left to New York. We do uh, we are looking for uh, a female to help um, kind of be a mentor, small group leader for for the girls. So if you're interested, just let us know. We'd love to uh, get you involved, but. Um, Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, all right, verse 2 through 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. And um, I'm going to reading, I'll be reading to you from the New Living Translation. And it says, your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. And everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. And this letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. I love the imagery, right, that Paul paints, comparing each one of us as letters or books, chapters, right? Uh, exemplifying God and how God is working in each one of us, right? 
You are a letter. You are a book. Right? You are a book. And really, this book here, the Bible, these are all stories. These are all stories of people, of individuals, just like you and I, talking about how God worked in their lives. Or there's stories about God's people, right, and how God worked in their lives. And these stories did not end when John wrote Revelations. Those stories did just, didn't just stop because those stories continued through history, right, to show about God working through his people. And all of you here, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you are a story or a book that continues this legacy of God speaking, right, speaking out, telling the world about him Self and the love that he has for this world. And as we reflect on the fact that we are a letter, that we are a story to this world, um, it really resonates with me. Because I think for me, um, I, I really connect with people and their stories and, and just relationships. And it's, I don't know, something about the way that I'm wired. And I reflect back on my last sermon uh, that I preached, and I, and I talked about an individual that I met and his story, and his name was David. And we met him when we were doing street ministry with the youth. And if you recall that story, um, we met David, and David was talking to me, and we prayed together, and, and I asked him to pray for me because I had been in this real, like, funk. And I remember he told me, he says, you know, Ken, you should read Jeremiah 33.3. I mean, literally, like we're standing on the street, Burnside Bridge, in front of the men's shelter, and this gentleman who I've never met before tells me, and he prays for me, and he says, you should read Jeremiah 33.3. And, you know, I remember reading that verse, and I remember that my conversation with this homeless gentleman, and and literally, like, that experience of me hearing about his story and how he ended up on the streets um, re- did, like, turn, turn that me being in that dark place in my life and turn me around and really, like, pulled me out. And it's these stories of, of individuals that God places in my life, people like David and people like Demetrio and Billy, who has spoken here uh, up front, where I'm really able to experience God in a, in a real tangible way. Um, about, I, uh, we ha- I had the pleasure of meeting someone by the name of Alvin. And Alvin was a friend of our close friend from Salem. And uh, we had invited her up to our house for dinner one Sunday evening, and she had brought Alvin um, with her. And I don't know about you guys, but when you meet someone for for the very first time and you have to strike up conversation, right, for four hours or three or four hours, however long they're at your home, it can be a little difficult, right? I mean, unless you're like someone like Dan, right, who just has knows what to say all the time and has those little funny things and just, you know, unless you're like Dan, it can be a little bit like, I don't know, it can be a little stressful, Right. And so, like, chit-chatting, trying to find conversation, trying to, like, you know, keep 
things like, you know, at a certain social level. And we're just talking and talking, talking about his past and, you know, his family and stuff like that. And we finished dinner and we were on to dessert. And, you know, the ladies got up and they, they, they went somewhere else. And Alvin and I were sitting at the, at the table and we were eating cake and we were just talking. And um, I started asking him about, about his past and I just noticed that he was just really subdued and just very like almost kind of somewhat pensive and in talking about his life. And we spent the next two and a half hours in the deepest, uh, most vulnerable, uh, just, just real personal conversation. I've never had that type of a conversation with a complete stranger in my life, let alone someone that's a really close friend of mine. And um, I've asked Alvin if, for permission to share this. Um, and he went on to kind of tell me about his life. And he shared and he says, you know, um, I grew up in a very large, devoutly religious Mormon home. And, I, and I, a beautiful family, had a great childhood. And he uh, got married. He had two children, went off to university, I think, um, uh, um, Oregon State. And he was studying engineering and he had studied, he was doing great in school, and then he ran out of money. He ran out of loan money. And so he had to drop out of school, and he started working for the state of Oregon. And I don't know if you know, but the state of Oregon, if you work for them for 10 years, they'll pay off your loans. And so he, you know, in, in the prime of his, like, academic life, he has to put that on hold for 10 years so that he can afford to go to school. He's in year seven of, of working. He has three years left, and his, his goal is to go back and, and do medicine and, you know, as pre-med. And within this time period, he um, goes through a very difficult um, divorce with his wife. And he spends over $100,000 in court and legal fees um, over the custody of his children and for visiting rights and, and all of that. And, I mean, as he's relaying this to me, you could just sense just the deep, deep emotional turmoil that he is going through because he loves his children so much. And he longs to be with them. And this divide and this separation, the disagreement that he has with his wife is causing um, um, a lot of problems with his relationship with his children. And as he's talking to me about this, and I can just sense this, this, this despair in his voice, right, of not only battling, um, you know, things with his relationship and his family, but at the same time wondering about his future and his career and putting that on hold for 10 years. I was like, Alvin, how, how do you not blame God for this, right? How do you not look at God and say, how can you let this happen to me, right? How, how, do, you, how do you not like live in despair and, and just like be so upset about this? And he said, oh, trust me, I, I, I barely could get out of bed for three years. I was, I was miserable. I was, I was so depressed for three years. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, I woke up one day and I said, I don't want to be upset anymore. 
I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be happy, right? I want to live a life of joy and fulfillment. And I realized that no one was going to do that for me. That's just not going to fall in your lap, right? I realized that I had to make the choice to be happy. I had to make the decision to have a different attitude to what was happening in my life. He realized that I have to make that choice myself. I have to write a different chapter in my life. And as he was telling me this, I was like, oh my goodness. This is exactly what I needed to hear, right, at that time period. I was like, this is, I was like, in my, in my mind, I was thinking, God, I don't know if you planned this, but you must have planned this because, like, who, I mean, how would Alvin come to my house and speak about his story and his life into mine that would provide me an answer for me? You see, you know, I, I had been reading uh, a ton of books for the past three or four years. I don't know about how you approach life and stuff. When, when I go through ruts and I have some things, I just, I like to read. I like to read books and um, I've read, you know, a lot of books on, you know, and last maybe two sermons ago, I, I shared with you some of these books that I was reading about darkness and about like your journey of faith and, you know, all of this stuff. And I, I just love to read. And, um, and I've learned a lot from these books. But in that three-hour conversation with Alvin, he did more for me than any of those books that I've read before, right? In terms of shaping and molding and, 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 and changing my attitude toward God and to life and just to the circumstances of life. And around this time period, um, I was reading a, uh, a book. And this book, is, I have this book here. And it is Viktor Frankl's book, right? Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, and I, I, a lot of you might have read this. This is a really famous book. It is super famous. And uh, it says here over 16 million copies read. So, you know. Um, interestingly enough, um, I've read this book about three times. And I keep on forgetting that I read it. I, I buy the book and I, I get to chapter two or three and I go, I read this book already. <laughs> what am I doing, right? And so I've, I've read this book. But you know what? It's such a good book that you really should read it every year, honestly. If you want to borrow the book, you can, you can um, borrow it from me. But it really is a great book for your library. You should, you should read this book. And um, Viktor Frankl is an Austrian psychiatrist who endured the Holocaust and was in the number of concentration camps, including Auschwitz. And uh, when you read the book, the first half of this book is chronicling his uh, experience in, in the concentration camps. And then the last half of the book, since he is a psychiatrist, he really focuses on his observation and his analysis of the people that he encountered in those concentration camps. The people that came and went. The people that lived or perished. And he observed and he analyzed and he came to um, an observation of why people survived or why they perished. And 
it came down to a few observations. And those observations and those things that, that he writes about in the book are very simple, very easy to understand. And it had to do with attitude. It had to do with a decision, a choice in how they would feel about their situation. And in the book, he says, you cannot control what happens to you in life. You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can control what you will feel and do about what happens to you, right? You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can control what you will feel and do about what happens to you. He goes on and he says, suffering is meaningless, but we give suffering meaning by how we respond to it. Suffering is meaningless, but we give suffering meaning by how we respond to it. You see, he, he saw all the other fellow prisoners that were with him in the concentration camp, and they all suffered equally. They all suffered equally. They all were going through the worst atrocity known to mankind. They all ate the same food. They all had the same frostbitten fingers and toes. They all were beaten down. They all experienced the same emotional, psychological torture. But yet some survived and some perished. And he said what made the biggest difference was in the attitude of the people faced with that suffering. And it came down to a choice. It came down to whether you chose to have a different attitude toward the circumstances of life. You can choose to be in despair and you can choose to be unhappy and you can choose to shut down or you can choose to look at the glass half full. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to take the next step forward. You can choose to write the chapter in your life to be how you want it to look, right? Now, we are all letters, we are all stories. And your story and your book that you are writing, you may be a young person here and you're at the very first chapters of your book and you're just laying down the basics. You're laying down the foundation. You're, you're describing the main characters in your book. Or you might be like someone like me who's about halfway through their book or maybe a little more than halfway through their book. And, and we're, your chapters in your book, there might be chapters that are filled with tears and sorrow and despair mixed in with chapters of joy and fulfillment, and hope, and vigor, right? But the same rings true that those chapters that are in your book are choices that you make. They're your choices. You write the chapters in your book. And that is my message for you today. It's not something profound. It's not something like earth-shattering, it's so simple that your life is a story and your choices will write out that story. It's choices. 
You know, when we're young, we tell our, our children, what do we tell them? Make good choices. Every parent has said those same words to their children. You've heard it. If you're a child, you've heard it. Make good choices. And for some reason, as we get older, I've never heard an adult tell another adult, make good choices. <laughs> Doesn't happen. But it's so important, right? Make good choices. It's choices that will spell out the final chapters of your life. What, what does your book look like right now? What, is, what does your life look like right now? And how do you want the final chapters of your book to end? It's up to you. You have to write those. You have to write that book based on the choices that you make. Right? And I just leave it at that because it is up to you to struggle with those choices of how you want your book to be played out. Do you want God to be a big part of those choices? Do you want your family to be a big part of those choices? Do you want your friends and relationships to be a big part of those choices? That's, that's something you have to struggle with and decide for yourself. Right? But I just want to, I want to leave you with that. Your life is a story, is a book. And that book is made up of choices that you make. How do you want your book to end? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. It's something so simple, yet for some reason we maybe forget. And we think about the circumstances of life that life has handed us and the cards that life has handed us. And sometimes we maybe um, can live in some despair or, or maybe we're on the mountaintop and we just think that it's just happenstance. And but Lord, help us to understand that it is choices that we make each and every day that will shape the chapters of our lives. I pray, Father, that we would have the vision, the courage to face those choices and to make good choices in our life. And I thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers today. Amen.